This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Welcome, everybody, to the penultimate episode of the 21-22 season, the Forever Bristol City podcast. We're again in joyous mood because it's back-to-back wins secured for the first time this season. It finished at Ashton Gate yesterday. City 5, Hull City 0. Joining me are Mark, Ian and uh, Neil. Um, Guys, I'll come to you first. Uh, Ian, just a brief 30-second summary. Happy days, yeah. I mean, you know, was it were we that good? Were they that bad? Was it that there's nothing at stake? Your brief thoughts on the game? Uh, no such thing as a bad five nil win, is it? Uh, no such thing as a bad win these days. So I thought the main difference between the two sides were that we were we had the front three we had, and they had the forward that they had. Um, we were absolutely clinical. If you look at the stats from the game. They had as many efforts as us. They had almost as many efforts on target, but we kept them all at range. We're closer marshalling defence superbly. But it really was in our final third where we excelled. Um, The WSM, absolutely on fire. And it just goes to show how well we can play when we give them the merest bit of service. I thought the central midfield was better yesterday, but it still wasn't brilliant. And we lost by... The first, the first half of the second half, if you want to call it that, but it was a clinical finishing. It was the difference between the two teams. Okay, all right, um, Neil, your uh, initial thoughts on the game overall. Well, in the week, their manager, I'm just going to call him Shotter because I can't even remember his surname off the top of my head, um, described us as being quite direct, dynamic, strong. Difficult to play against, similar to Millwall and Luton. And I thought, if I could describe us in any way, it would not be those adjectives. <laughs> so, <laughs> straight away, leading into into the game yesterday, I thought, have they got a clue, actually, how we play? Because if they have, in that first half, they didn't look like they did. No, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. And I know they changed it second half. Particularly, they took Eves off and pushed the 
pushed a bit more up front, didn't they, with the Iranian lad. And then there's Lewis Potter, who who I really rate, and people are, are saying, you know, he might go to the Premier League. But he he decided to just go on a one-man crusade to shoot every time he got the ball from about 35 yards, didn't he? Yeah. It must, must be the most frustrating. So they were they were a bit bizarre, but as Ian has quite rightly said, we, we were clinical yesterday. You know, we, we looked like we were a team that played together, whereas Hull looked like a team that were complete, you know, that had never played together, Yeah, really. They and they looked like a team of individuals in a way in which we have at certain times this season. Yesterday, we looked like a team, didn't we? No, that's. Uh, I think you're absolutely right from that uh, perspective. You know, it all came together uh, yesterday. Mark, what were your uh, initial thoughts on the, on the game? Well, I thought it was, a, it was a very open game. I wouldn't say it was champagne football, more than his austere times, Prosecco-like football from City. <laughs> and we just, we were just clinical. Some brilliant interplay between uh, the WSM formation, Vyman, Semenyo and Martin. Martin uh, turnover from the halfway line and then running in to score. That had to be seen to be believed. And as my friend Paul said, a Cantona-esque finish from Vyman. That was, yeah. I mean, we'd be purring over that if that had been scored on match of the day. Absolute beauty chipped up over the keeper. Uh, and it, it, Sissy were just, were, were just too good. But the strange thing was, uh, um, the second half, we, we we let up. We weren't as intense, but finished very strongly yet again. But yeah. we were just clinical. In we, When we played in their half, they couldn't cope, couldn't cope with the pace of Semenyo and the movement of Vyman. And it was just great to watch. Uh, better late than never or better never late, who cares? Back-to-back wins, 5-0. Five, five, five and despite that, and a 210-mile journey, the whole City fans congered at the end. Give them credit, they were doing the conga. Some dressed up, some dressed up his, his traffic cone. I so saw those two, two lads or people, persons or whatever there. No, it, was, uh, it had that end-of-season uh, feel about it. And, I mean, look, the fact of the matter is, you know, I think, and somebody mm-hmm. can look up the stats, correct me if I'm wrong, but even if we get beat at Hull next week, this will be... Our strongest season, Huddersfield next week, sorry. This will be our strongest end-of-season finish, uh, certainly since uh, the the year Lee Johnson, uh, well, I say the year he kept us up, 2016. It might even better that. So it would be nice to go to uh, Huddersfield next week, avoid defeat, and then have a six-match unbeaten run, which would be our best in this current uh, seven-season stay in the second tier of of, um, English football. Um, Ian, the lineup. Uh, he's, he didn't. He didn't throw any surprises at all, really, did he? No, it was exactly as I predicted. Although I thought, from everything that I was hearing, that George Tanner might either get a place on the bench or might possibly get a start. But my view now is, why risk any of the players that are um, getting a bit better rehabbing? So I'm including Odauda, Tanner, Callas. In that, why risk any of them for one game of football? Well, well, you don't want to you don't want to risk Callas or O'Dowder in any shape or form because, as I'll say later, they're two players that, to be quite honest, well, certainly uh, O'Dowder, maybe Callas. Uh, you know, well, thank you and good night as far as that's uh, concerned. Think, Ian, they did yeah. play well, Williams. Right. They did play Williams for I ninety think... minutes. Did that surprise you? No, because he, he is, and I'm saying this with my fingers crossed, my legs crossed, and everything crossed. He is looking 
like he's getting fitter. Now, obviously, that he, some people will say, well, about time is you know, one game to go at the end of the season. By the way, before I forget to say it, you're completely wrong about Callas. Although, we have got to take a very careful look at Thomas and the 15 other players that are out of contract at the same time as Masengo. It's all very well yeah. um, focusing on and pontificating about Masengo. Will he, won't he? Well, he won't. Yeah. Um, but we've got that same situation with a lot of other key players. So it's either yeah. re-sign, possibly on lower terms, or we have to, or we have, they have to go earlier than we think. Yeah. I know, I'm only, I wasn't being overly critical of I wasn't being overly critical of uh, Thomas uh, Callas there for, for for no other reason than we got to get the wage bill down and we come on to comings and goings uh, later and what the shape looks like which we focused on in the last couple of podcasts really um, well, I'll come to you Neil hear, for uh, I did Dave hang on I did yeah. hear Richard Gould's interview with Twentyman uh, yesterday uh, yeah uh, I don't know it, apparently it came up in that that we were reducing the wage bill um or, 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 or no we're, we're going forward with the same the same budget which i found an extraordinary comment but he did say he wages. did say that no he did say that okay he let's said. go let's go through the goals i come to you first uh neil for uh, i'll give you neil goal number one and two and then mark you can do uh three and four and then uh, Ian uh, you can talk about the audacious and uh, you can say Dave you got it all wrong about Vyman about four months ago so uh, Neil goal number one and two five and 33 minutes Semenya Wyman Wyman Semenya I mean what more can you ask take us through it as you saw those openings well the impressive thing about the first goal was actually that Bentley seems to have had a bit of a shot up his ass about being a bit quicker in his distribution, doesn't he? Yeah. And uh, shot up his where? Shot up his ass. And uh, he's he's uh, his distribution down the middle was superb. Yeah. You know that was yeah. uh, that reminded me of like playing Man City at home, didn't it? Did when he used to fire it out when to he used to fire it down the middle. Yes. To yes. fire it down the middle and then and then away and then he's there. I mean, for me, uh, Hull yesterday had a. Chelsea Loney is a goalkeeper, uh, Baxter, and he was useless, wasn't he? Yes, I he mean, was. he was first absolutely half. useless. And then, uh, even before that first goal, there was that cross into the box on about the third minute that he came, and then Martin headed, and then it was off the line. And you were thinking, What is that guy doing? He's having like a Bentley first half against Sheffield United, didn't he? Yeah, and then, um, uh, the goal itself, I've looked it back and I thought at the time. What was the keeper doing on that first goal? Because, yeah, great movement, all the rest of it. But suddenly the yeah. keeper, you know, Wyman still had a lot to do. And the keeper's come out right to the edge of the area, far yeah. too close to him. <clears throat> Wyman's hit the ball and it's gone through the keeper's hands. Now, good finish by Wyman, but awful goalkeeping on the first goal. Awful goalkeeping on the yeah. first goal. Second goal, it's almost like they they haven't switched on from the first goal, is it? Down no. the middle. This, this time by uh, Close, I think. Mm-hmm. Keeper kicks out. Close goes down the middle. Turn, boom. And uh, this time it's just replicated the other way, isn't it? With Weiman to Semenya rather than Semenya to, to Weiman. And uh, they didn't learn at all, did they? That first half was like watching uh, junior football, really, wasn't it? It was like yeah. watching players 
make the same mistakes again. It was, and it was again end to end. No, it was end to end stuff. And there's a couple oh, of people great, on, on the great forum. Save, a great save by Bentley as well. Sorry, Dave. He did. Dave. No, he did. He did. He did. It was very great cat-like, save. wasn't it? The way he sprung and uh, took it out. And that and that's reflective, as Ian said earlier, the fact that Hull had 12 attempts and five on yeah. target. That was uh, <clears throat> that was certainly one of them. And you know, with that amount of entertaining or enterprising play from both sides, we could have had a repeat of the five-all draw, which was uh, all of four years ago. I think the last time we scored five, and as uh, Lisa said on here, our biggest uh, victory at home in this uh, spell in the championship was 2016 with that 6-0 against uh, Bolton when uh, well, a certain... Uh, I have to take Bolton issue with that. I have to prime. take Go issue on. with that. I'm sure I went to a home game against Huddersfield when we won 5-2. We did score uh, yeah, five we're against talking, Huddersfield, didn't we? Well, yeah, you're right. We scored five against Huddersfield at home, five in the five-all draw, but biggest margin of victory. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right, but... Mark, that's the first two goals. Mark, the goal number three came a couple of minutes after that, and uh, Semenyo, this time provider. I mean, he's a handful at the moment, and you could almost see him going to a club like West Ham in uh, as an understudy to that Antonio because he's got that similar physicality that he knows how to roll opponents now, doesn't he? Yeah, Williams just flicks it to him in the left channel and he just drifts past the defender. Brilliant upper body strength. Crosses it uh, with his left foot and Martin has got it on a plate. Thank you very much. 3-0. I think Calder had a couple of chances before that, you know, and it was like, it was like it was it was like playground football end-to-end. I think Bentley made that good save where he pushed the ball, ball away and yeah, it was just wonderful, wasn't it? You know, all three strike, all three strikers have scored three 0 Yeah, yeah, and then uh, the fourth, the fourth. You said a moment ago, Mark, in your uh, preamble, uh, Chris Martin, twelfth goal of the season uh, for him. That was uh, ran from all of the halfway line. Yeah, Hull played the ball back uh, into their own half, just on the centre circle, <laughs> and Chris Martin of all people robs their defender and he runs through from the halfway line. This Chris Martin runs from the halfway line and outpaces a defender and scores. You couldn't you couldn't make it up, could you? Brilliant. No. On his uh, on his yeah. left foot as well. Just strokes it past the keeper into the middle of the net. Four nil. Yeah. And you know we're in dreamland. Brilliant. We are in dreamland. Anyway, Ian, uh, I'll come to you for uh, the last goal. But before you do that, uh, any thoughts on the opening four? I mean, I think even Wayne Rooney had said in the week leading up to the game that our forward line is probably as good as it gets at this level, which being, uh, as Mark pointed out earlier, joint third highest goal scorers in the division with 62 goals. We'll forget about the 73 we've let in. But, uh, you know, t- t- your, your thoughts on the four goals and then that audacious chip for Vyman for his 22nd. I mean, over to you, Ian. Well, the common, the common denominator in two of the goals was a chap called McLaughlin, who was a centre-back for them. And I, I said that our three were slow against Sheffield United. This lad made our three look like lightning because the first... Uh, of the goals, when Semenyo brushed past him. Semenyo, he, he had a two-yard start. All he had to do was kick the ball out. And Semenyo got to the ball first, eased him out the way, um, and crossed for Martin to score. It was the same fella that was trying to play out on the halfway line who got dispossessed by Martin, and I never, ever thought I'd say two things on this podcast. <laughs> Chris Martin ran through from the halfway line <laughs> To score, <laughs> out, outpace it, outpacing a defender. 
I never thought those words would pass my lips. And, and the Troy's pension, thing, maybe, but not, uh, not to do the score. <laughs> unbelievable. Um, but, and, it, and it was actually a, a good finish because the keeper actually went the wrong way and he put it where his feet were. So it was a very good finish. And I think all of our forwards are pretty good one-on-one, um, -on -one, and I'd include Naki Wells in that. The, uh, the fifth goal, uh, Wells to Martin, great movement by Weinman. If you look at his movement before the ball came to him, because you've got to be in a position to play that chip. And he was in a perfect position. The defenders, as I criticised our guys for the other week, ball watch. So they were watching the ball, so they didn't see Weinman make two yards for himself on the far post. And the ball came to him exactly the right pace and height. And when you've uh, got 21, 22 goals, you've got the confidence to try that. Quite audacious. Yeah. Fantastic finish. Yeah. It was almost a bit like that goal. Do you remember a goal Glenn Oddle scored at Watford for Spurs about 40 years ago? He was a bit further out, yeah. but it was just a little dink into the top, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, great end great end of season uh, for him. And 22 goals, that is pretty impressive and not for the first time in the last couple of months I hold my hands up and say the criticism that I made of him was uh, was was unfair beyond belief because he has always given a hundred percent so I hold my hands up on uh, on on that particular point um Neil I'll come uh, it is you next Neil isn't it? yeah I'm trying to do it in rotation um the defense Neil uh, we we talked a bit about Bentley with his um distribution um no it's mark's turn sorry mark the defense um Cundy close and atkinson they've sort of worked together as a trio and we haven't been conceding goals like we were with thomas in the side and we can't fault his effort but you know they look they looked okay yesterday didn't they what did you think mark yeah i thought they they worked um extremely hard um, and the, 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 they they push up and try and squeeze the game. I think the problem is all three of them, they're, they're tall, strong, good in the tackle, but they can be caught out with pace. I think we, we still need one, one of those. One of them needs, needs to be a bit pacey uh, and needs to be more alert when the ball's in our, when we're defending in our area. Uh, and when, you know, we, we, we do tend to, tend to ball watch. So, I mean, you've got to look at it a little bit in context. The better sides won't give you the, the t won't give you the time to play um you know go back to the Sheffield United game where you know we fell asleep and the Stevens has a shot don't recover in time for the follow-up by Morgan Gibbs White and so on Th things like that and, uh, against Bournemouth you know where, the, where you know there are several several chances before the ball's put into the net for, for the first goal I think from from Solanke it's a little things like that that we that we need to work on. But I think one of those three needs a little bit bit of pace in there. They they just tend to be a bit slow, but as a team and closer yesterday was outstanding. I mean, yeah. he wasn't going. He was sitting his rock. Nothing was getting past him. And I think the Cleverin talks about a, about a new contract, and they should definitely sign the guy on. And captain Robin material for well. captain material for next yeah, season. Yeah, possi possibly, probably, probably, you can you can you can bollock players in several languages. I think really, and that's what yeah, you that's need, what isn't you it? Need. In, a, in a team. Yeah. 
Yeah, Alex Scott. Alex Scott played as a wing back. We're not seeing the best of him there, but he's getting minutes on the pitch, which is good for his uh, career development. Uh, how did you think he was in the hour that he uh, featured in? Mark. What's that? Sorry, I'm sorry. I thought Scott, you Alex Scott. Else. How do you, how do you, I say Alex Scott's being still played out of position, but he's learning all the time and he's got a bit of physicality about him. But impressed with him? I think he's a bit limited uh, out on the wing, and he doesn't try. He doesn't tend to push the ball on, uh, and you know, try and try and beat try and beat the full back or the opposing centre back and get to the line and cross and cross the ball over. It's just not his game. I think he's got good vision, which would be best served in the centre of the pitch, um, probably in in a in a midfield three, uh, or or as a as a number ten, probably in a flat flat midfield three would be better. And he's just there out of necessity. Always, or he's he's not he's not caught out of position too often, uh, because he has played a number of times in that position. But I wouldn't see his future there. So yeah, worked hard. Don't know if he was injured. Um, because of course we, we brought Ben Arus on, and then it, uh, then of course him and uh, the silver were swapped. Uh, so right. left leaves, leaves you a little bit unbalanced with a left-footed player on the right. I think. Yeah, Neil, Neil's favourite, a left-footer playing on the right-hand side. Um, Neil, I come on to you. Mark's there talked about pace in the back three, uh, and he's right. I mean, they are quite statuesque all three defenders. Uh, I thought Atkinson looked more comfortable on the ball. Is getting even is gaining in confidence but um, you know if you look at the players that could play in the back three that weren't available for different reasons Nathan Baker again listening to Richard Gould's interview he didn't really say anything but I think Bakes is going to end up hanging his boots up because of the concussion you've got Callas who has got a bit of pace although as one of my colleagues who plays football to a reasonable standard said Callas lets the ball go over his head too much and then you've got the banished for reasons that Nigel Pearson sort of didn't really allude to in his midweek interview. So let's say Baker's gone. Callas and Pring, ooh, would you displace? I mean, Pring's a backup. And we've got Idahan in contention as well. So, you know, do do we, we we're going to sign close and probably give Cundy a contract. What else would you do at the centre of the back, um, Neil? Well, I mean, watching watching close yesterday, close has been much better now he's been in the centre. I think he feels happier there. He obviously hasn't got the pace that he probably once had in the Premiership with uh, with Norwich, but his reading of the game is superb, isn't it? But it's not just his reading of the game that's superb. You know, when the ball's coming through the middle, he's getting in with those first challenges, getting to the ball first. But it's also he talks. He talks during the game in a way in which our centre-backs haven't done throughout the whole of the season. I've watched from the Dolman, the way he talks to Atkinson, the way he talks to Cundy the whole time, reassuring them, supporting them. And it's noticeable with Atkinson in particular, the way his performances have improved over the last four or five games. Just a bit more assured in himself. I think pace-wise, dealing with your pace comment, I think Atkinson's quite quick, actually, once he gets Mm -hmm. going. You know, maybe not over the first three, four yards, but once it gets going, Cundy's a different matter. Cundy, for me, is a bit leggy. Uh, got these massive long legs, hasn't he? And he, he has been done for pace a little bit. It takes him, he's got a bit of a turning circle of the Titanic at times. And uh, he, he can get done for pace a little bit there, but... This is he's, worth a a, contract. he's worth a contract. That he when is. You look at, I'm, I'm, when you, I'm not you compare massive. him... 
you compare him to Zach Viner, who yeah. again is yeah. one at the top. You know, and we used to say, we said lots of times on the podcast that Zach Viner is a good squad player because he can play right back in a four, in the middle, or uh, in a in a in a three. I mean, Cundy is an upgrade on him, whichever way you cut it, isn't he? Well, I th- well, I think I think the main thing, David, is that um, Pearson's obviously been pulling his hair out over the course of the season over what he terms us being passive and not competitive. And I don't think anybody could look at those three yesterday and say that they were passive and non-competitive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they are in your face. They are physical, but they're not dirty. I mean, we don't, as a back three, they don't pick up a lot of yellow cards or anything, do they, at the end of the day? But one thing I noticed yesterday as well, Neil, is that we do just put a little follow through. I noticed it a couple of times. You know, we just leave a foot in sometimes, not in a bookable way, but we're just a little bit more canny, a bit bit harder than we were. We conceded 12 fouls against their eight yesterday. So to me, that was was evidence of... uh, I mean, I, I I I would love to sign close. I really would. I think it's a little bit more problematic than what it first appears because I think with it, you're probably talking about a guy who lives in Switzerland, probably has family there, 33, coming on 34. Is he going to move across for another year? When it's six months, it's kind of easy, isn't it? It suits everybody. You're staying in a hotel and all the rest of it. I'm sure there are clubs, I'm sure there are clubs on the continent that look at closer now and go, well, he's proved his worth in the championship. He's looking all right. Is he going to look for something a little bit closer to home in well, Europe? He, I he think might. it's possible. He might. He possible. might. Yeah. It, Ian, um, the midfield, um, Williams and James, um, you, you, you said at the top of our broadcast that they were good without being great. I think a fit Williams plus one... Yeah. And then we'll start with you as well, Ian, on the shape of the side. Yeah. Like, is it, is it for, will it be 4-3-3 or, you know, the, the same shape that we got at the moment? But your, your thoughts on going into next season with Williams and James as starters, or do you think we need to upgrade in that area? <clears throat> we need to upgrade. And if you look at the players that will probably be going out of the club, we either uh, think or hope. So a couple of central midfield players will go. King and Palmer and Masenga will go. So that's three. Um, I think we need to bring in two uh, stronger central midfield players. So you've got competition there. And you'd be very foolish to rely on James or Williams playing 46 games a season or even possibly 36 games a season. Mm. We've yet to see that and we might not see it. So... Yes, those are two sign-ins of the four or five that I'd make. Um, I think we're going to um, sell, stroke, release nine. Um, so, yeah, that's something we need to do. Just on, on a couple of things on the on the defenders or the wing-backs, which Scott isn't. One thing Scott has got to address about his game is the number of yellow cards he's picking up. He's well into mm. double figures on yellow cards, and he's got to stop that. Uh, and that's one of the problems we're playing him out of position because he's he's not really a defender. Well, he's not a defender. And in terms of pace, I don't think close is any slower than Cundy or Atkinson. Um, so, but I agree with everything Neil said uh, that I think closer after the last six months and our defence. It's only very recently that we've kept a couple of clean sheets and we've stopped conceding goals. 
Uh, the first six or eight games, it made no difference. We were still letting in two or three a game. Um, so that's uh, uh, something that's very interesting because it was around about that time that Thomas Callas actually went out. And I still would say that Thomas Callas is, is, is our best centre-back. But once again, he's out of contract uh, next summer. Next uh, summer. summer 20, next summer, 23, along with a lot of other players like Bentley, De Silva. Mm. So Nigel Pearson's got to make up his mind um, with them. Do we bring in, um, you know, do we sell them if we get an offer and bring in somebody else on a longer contract? Or do we, um, to quote uh, someone's famous words, do we see our value out on the pitch? Uh, but yeah, midfield is a key area for me, both in terms of fitness and in terms of bringing in the quality. I'd also like to see us have someone more creative in midfield. Now that may be Alex Scott or maybe Eamon Benarus. I would think I prefer a, uh, I don't know, a, a Brian Tinian, a Barry Bannon type player in midfield who could, but not Barry uh, Bannon. Get the best. <laughs> Pray, no, not Barry but not Bannon. not Barry Bannon, but but get. But get the best out of that front three. I don't. I think Pearson will stay with the same formation uh, because, uh, he, for the simple reason, he won't want to change the um, WSM if he can avoid it. I think we need a, a the other signing should be a centre forward. So we've got a, an option if Chris Martin gets a knock or loses form. Um, but, need so, sorry, can I just ask you a question on that, Ian, with, with that? I was thinking yeah. this before we started recording with Chris Martin up front. I mean, I don't know how well, I know he scored a few goals, Louis Britton's doing. And I know I get the impression from what others have said, it's not my view, that his dad's quite influential on his career. But having a Louis Britton on a contract at Bristol City as a backup, yeah, and getting more minutes because Chris Martin won't be able to do next season what he's done this. It's sort of, and when you look at the likes of Tommy Conway and some of the other youngsters, and if you work on the basis that we do keep Semenyo for one more year, questionable, it is questionable, you know, we could save ourselves a lot of grief by giving Louis Britton a contract and it sorts that out because we've got limited funds and we always want to get better than what we've got on the field. So what do you feel about Louis Britton fulfilling that need, assuming he's at Waterford now, I, still on loan, isn't he, but out of contract this summer? Yeah, I think an out of contract, Michael Smith from Rotherham would be my preference. Um, okay. He will have he will have other suitors. Uh, I think <clears throat> Nigel made a point about Louis Britton. I'd be surprised if he got his contract extended. But like I said, that is one that could potentially right. come back and bite us on the backside. Okay, all right, Mark. Let me let me come on to you next. Uh, Ian has said the shape of the side, the shape of the side is going to look like it does at, like like now, like it has done for the last three or four games or the last five undefeated. Um, we talk about needing a right wing back, but if we get if we think we've got George Tanner who can play in a four, and if we say our key signing next season is a out-and-out out starter to play in that right-back role. If we play a 4-3-3, then you've got another and Tanner in that conventional right-back position. You've then only got a perm any two from Cundy Close, Atkinson, and I'll put Idahin in there, any two from those. And then you've got a choice of Jay De Silva or Pring in that conventional left-back role. That does then free up Scott 
to play in midfield and keeps WSM intact, assuming none of them leave. What 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 are your thoughts on four three three over what appears to have been the settled lineup uh, in recent games? I think with four three three, that that would be my preferred formation. But you need teams that are going to be either pressed with those with those uh, with those three bands. I think four three three we associate more, with more with possession football. City haven't proved for a few seasons now that they're a possession-based team. We're not a direct team and we're not a passing team because our possession stats are, are, are pretty poor. We just haven't got an identity at the moment. We want to play 3-4-1-2. So that means wing-backs. You need two good wing-backs. Now, Jada Silva and I think Cameron Pring, good enough on the left-hand side. Uh, George Tanner, we still don't know about because of his injuries. Uh, I think he's good in the tackle. But you know he's got to be able to adapt his, his game so that he can so that when he, when he uh, you know his position you know his positional sense and City have, have suffered this season from letting far too many crosses into the box, giving teams far too many chances and letting a lot of soft a lot of soft goals. So we need to improve that. But if we play four three three, that needs to be a lot more intelligent, and would need you know the front three rotating. You could do that, but they also need to press. And that would, I think, would need a bit more energy. You can get the four back, you can get the the four pushing up the pitch, but those midfielders have got to work really hard. And I wouldn't think you'd say that was uh, necessarily Williams and James uh, currently, because I think Willie, James may be, you know, in the sitting role, but I think Williams would have to improve his his fitness significantly. Uh, yeah, well, that's a there. that's a that's different the thing. Big, that's the that's that a is the big question. Uh, is is going to be over his, his fitness? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, what are his, his fitness issues? Is it uh, is it his hamstrings? Is his hamstrings on Correct. both on both legs, yeah. isn't it, that have gone? Yeah. No, I think, it's his uh, ham- Tanner, his hamstrings. Yeah, he's yeah. had, he's no, had the same hamstring in Williams. Yeah. Is, it started off with a quad, and since then it's been his hamstrings. Yeah. No, his so you need a couple of you. Yeah, so you've got Benarus in there as well. He can play in midfield and he's an attacking midfield player. So you need a couple of others as well. We've got you options. Need two players. I think the thing is, yeah. we've, got, we've got options. We have but got if you play in 3 4 1 2, Dave, you need good wing backs, good solid wing backs. Those players have got to be up and down those lines and they've got to be incredibly yeah. fit. Yeah. That's uh, And you need a, our team. Have got to be, the problem yeah. we got is our fitness. Uh, we, you know, during games we drop off and players just drift along. That's why Tariq Backinson was shifted out. You can, yeah. I mean, I saw, I even saw for Ipswich against Rotherham. You know, discipline just so poor. You watch, yeah. you watch Liverpool. You watch Man City. The amount of work that the forwards do tracking back to rob the ball. The defence pushes up, but the, the, the forwards are running back and tackling all the time. That's what you've got to do to be a top yeah. side, to be a challenging side. Well, again, that's, fitness, back, and ath- that's fitness and athleticism. And if you look at yeah. athleticism, I know we've only seen him for 20 minutes. That's where Idahan, just seeing him warm up, he looked impressive. And um, Neil, we've talked there about midfield and the shape and everything. You know, I think, you know, we, anybody that's come in has got to be better than what we've got. That goes without saying, yeah? So, is it four four two for you or four four three sorry not four yeah four three three or three five two or whatever what 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 do you what do you think because this this gets back to what 
Nigel Pearson's going to have on his shopping list, really, doesn't he? Because we're not going for clubs in the bag anymore. That's clearly evident from what Richard Gould said yesterday. Well, I, we obviously spoke about this, didn't we, in the last podcast about buying players for the formation that you're going to be playing. Whether If you're buying a right-back, make sure you play with a right-back. If you're buying a wing-back, he needs to be a wing-back, not a right-back. And they are very different positions nowadays compared to when we were younger, you know. <laughs> the they're very specific positions, but for me, with Pe- with Pearson, when Pearson falls out with a player, generally Hello. falls out with a player, isn't he? The only, the only guy that I've seen this season actually come back from a falling out with a player, oh, falling out with Imagine. Pearson, is De, is De Silva. Yeah. Really, who who was, you know, I thought he was on the bus. Do you know what I mean? I thought yeah. he was gone. Well, Nigel and, Pearson and said in an interview, he said, Jay's come back with attitude. Yeah. He's come back with the right attitude, you know. And, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, but you, you, can, think- you, can t- you can tell now that Pring, there's been a falling out there again. You know, there's been a falling out with Pring, I'm sorry, but it's quite evident that he's not in the 18 not, at the moment. Not, accor- you, rather- not according to Pearson. Yeah, right. He was yeah. At, and, okay. well, he, well, he was, at, he was asked. I always look at, during the game, when people are on the naughty step, they get asked to actually be on the pitch and run sprints by themselves. I've seen Palmer do it. I've seen Backinson do it. Now I've seen Pring do it. So it's kind of like a little bit punitive thing by Pearson sometimes. He, he makes them come on, not with the 18, and just you will be there and you will be doing meaningless bloody sprints up and down the pitch. And, and that's what Pearson does sometimes. But I think moving in, I think Ian made a really good point about um, in the summer, I think our formation that we're playing at the moment is the formation moving forward because we've been effective and in that formation. But we're talking about all those players, aren't we, that even the first-choice players at the moment we're having to renegotiate. I mean, in terms of a transfer window, and I don't want to leap ahead because I know you're going to cover it, David, but... You're talking about the players on the pitch yesterday, Bentley and De Silva, for instance, as examples. Are you going to be able to renegotiate them? If you're not, are you going to sell them? Masengo's gone. You can tell Masengo's gone. He's had an offer for five months. He hasn't signed it. He's gone. So I wouldn't be surprised if Andy King gets some form of one-year coaching contract because I think that's how he views it. You know, minimum wages, keeps him in the club. And he's sort of there. But... Of the others, I mean, it's massive, isn't it? And then, and it then is. you've got the. No, you're, you're, I mean, you're right. the, the amount that the amount that Gould has got to actually, he's got all the players coming into last year. Then he's got the three sort of people that we might be fending off offers from, but we might have to take for the greater good if mm-hmm. a large offer comes in. And then he's got to be thinking, right? Okay, he's got players like Cundy and Closer that are out of contract as well. So he, he's. I don't think Louis, work, Britain, Louis Louis Britain's gone, David. Louis Britain's yeah. gone. I mean, I mean, they're, they're obviously trying to sign up that Seb Holden, and uh, from the youth team. But you know, I think I've heard that only two first team first year scholars are getting contracts. So I think Do you we know are those two. Oh, you can't say those two are now, uh, Neil. Well, one's going to be Seb Holden, but the basically with it. I think, uh, you know, there were certain things that were spoken about in the stands yesterday with regards to people that are more in the know than I, than I am. I know nobody close at the club at the end of the day. I, I make judgments based on what you actually see at the end of the day, isn't it? But I wouldn't, from what people are saying, 
Pat coming in on a one-year contract is pretty much a done deal. Um, on vastly reduced wages from Cardiff. King, King on a coaching contract. Yeah, seriously. King, well, he lives in North Somerset. He always lives in Portishead. His lad plays in the North Somerset Academy up at Clevedon, up at the hand. He wants to stay in the area. If you were, if you had a Marlon Pack come to you and say, I'll play, I'll take a 60, 70% pay cut from Cardiff because I want to stay in the area. I, I don't think he's a bad thing. Uh, well, and you'd have him, you'd have to say, you'd have to say, on, on massively on his, reduced he can, wages. He can, pass, he can pass, yeah, he can pass the ball as a, yeah, as a, uh, as a squad Well, he can player, play that Matt, he can Miles play that Matt James him. role. He so, can play that Matt James role, can't he? Because, yeah, and I, mean, I, I, I he's, think, always, I think... he's always had a good level of fitness, Marlon, hasn't yeah. he yet? And he's six foot. He, he's he's a big he's a big lad. All right, so, let's get on to talking. Let's get on to talking about transfers. Ian, um, on the uh, on the forum, uh, a lot of people were saying your comments of give Calamo Dowda an extension and we get some value on him. And you got slated on there. And I said I bring it up with you because I got to agree. You know that that is a view, but the counter view is nobody came in for Calamo Dowda last time. Why would they come in this time? Why give him an extension? Because he's on, still going to be on those higher wages, potentially. You could offer him a one-year extension on lower wages, but would he accept? But, you know, Callum, about four weeks ago, Pearson hinted that he was getting back to fitness. Now, what we don't want to do is get him injured so that he gets injured on the field. But Callum O'Dowder... Um, you wouldn't go for the. Would you? Having thought about it, Ian, would you? Would you still offer him that extension? I don't think so, and I think well, I'm in the because majority. Because most of the people on the forum probably aren't businessmen. Um, I look at it from a pra- pragmatic point of view. We've got a full Republic of Ireland international. Okay, but there will be someone who wants him. It might be somebody in League One. It might be Oxford, or it might be somebody. Now, do you release him for nothing, <clears throat> or do you hang on to him? And you sell him for a couple of hundred thousand even. Now, it all depends on his fitness. If Pearson's looking at him and thinking, oh, this bloke ain't going to get fit, then you might take that decision. But you'd have to be a lot closer to Callum O'Dowda's current situation uh, than uh, with a huge, no, with not with no respect, <clears throat> people on the forum who are making a judgment. Or I'm making it from a pragmatic business point of view. Now, I agree, oh. there is a risk involved that you give him um, a, another year contract. And as somebody on here is quite sensibly saying, um, O'Dowda to Oxford on a swap deal for the defender that uh, Pearson was watching along with the wingback. That might Moore. be a good idea. That might be a good idea, but you see... You're talking about Elliot Moore, contract, yeah? Yes, yes, I am. Yeah. So if... So if... Um, the and, and that guy's played for Pearson twice before, so that might be an idea, might it? But you you see, the thing is, listeners, you can't do that if the guy ain't under contract because he just says, Okay, thanks, I'm out of contract, bye, goes and signs for somebody, you get a sign on fee. <clears throat> if either way, Callum O'Dowda won't be without a club next season, there aren't many left wingers, and is it the only problem you've got with Callum is fitness. If he could stay fit, I think he, he gives you something different, even if that's only as a 20-minute, 25-minute impact player as a sub. I, I think he's another one that suffered from being played out of position because I don't think he's a left wing back. 
because he's not a great defender. But he is no. quick. He can put he can put sides under pressure. And you know, your view on him could be the same as your view was on Andy Byman. He could have a fantastic season and you could change your mind, couldn't you? Might do. Well, Neil, you were one of uh, the people that took the alternative view. But before you, Mark, what what would you do with O'Dowder now? Because we we got to the witching hour. He's got no. Money I can I can pick. see I can see what Ian's saying is is an enabler. Uh, I mean, I remember years ago when when uh, Darren Barnard signed a contract and we sold him. To, I think we sold him to Barnsley two days later and got Jim Brennan. So I mean, it's it's been done before. But I mean, if you compare him to. Uh, Alex Scott, who's also been played out of position, Scott's far braver. Uh, you know, he, yeah. he's he, you know he'll he'll, he'll take take a tackle, he'll win he'll win free free kicks. But I can see O'Dowd played down the middle. I mean, when when we I think we beat Birmingham three 0 last season. It's a uh, uh, it's an Andrews, and he looked. He came. He came on as a sub, and he looked great playing down the middle. That's one of his. That, that was probably one that of that his before. one in twenty. Yeah, but he's been. Yeah, six but it's something. It's too few, his, and it's too it's few too, and far, be, far and between. You, and if you keep him, if you keep mm. him, you're blocking the pathway to some of the promising youngsters coming through. Like if you take that sort of quasi attacking midfieldery type of view, Benarus. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're talking um, people like, is it not Sam? Uh, is it Josh Hours, another one? All these players yeah. that are coming coming through. You know, Callum's been here six years. Yes, he's been played out of position, but he's not got better. And his performance... The other thing, the other thing is, the, 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 his performances don't, don't justify it. And to take that step up, the next level... You can't just say players, you know, we, we, he's no good at defending. They got to be players got to be better at tackling or tracking. And yeah. I mean, you look at the Man Cities, the Liverpools. They, you know, they do these little tap tackles, this uh, shithousery, and they take, you know, they, they take fouls yeah. in the middle of the pitch. They'll knock players over. They won't yeah. let you get near them. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't do that. He doesn't slow teams do, down. He doesn't bring anything. And yes, he does. But it's one in twenty. We can't do that. No, Neil, you're. Your thoughts on um, Callum? You know, I mean, he can he can not sign, and then it, 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 let's say he's on twelve grand a week at City. I don't know if that's about right. Somebody correct me if that seems a bit high. But let's say City say, look, Callum, we give you if his mum's listening, extend- tell us. Yeah, we give it. We give him. We give him. We'll offer him an look. extension, but it's a, a seven grand a week. Yeah. All right. So if he goes and gets a signing on fee from another club, it's probably going to be the equivalent of the transfer fee we might get if somebody bought him after he'd signed the extension, 250. So how do you solve a problem like Calamo Dowder, Neil? Well, there's, there's two things there, David. I think I think Ian's on about taking up the option rather than uh, him signing an extension. I think I'm right in that respect, aren't I? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you so, are. So, the, op- so the, op- the option's going to be on his current terms. Okay, because if you take up an option, you have to offer the the current terms. Right. So uh, yeah, if if he's if he's on eight to ten thousand, so say, I mean, we can quote figures at the end of the day, eight to ten thousand. So that is you are committing somewhere in the region of four to five hundred thousand pounds to yeah. have Callum O'Dowder there for the season. Yeah. Now, if he's on eight to ten grand, you get an offer in from an Oxford. 100,000, 200,000. There's no way Oxford are going to pay eight to 10,000. So then you're having to pay up his contract or subsidize his, yeah. his contract. Either way, 
it makes absolutely no sense for Callum O'Dowder to be at the club. It's almost like a Liam Walsh scenario where you say, okay, yeah, you know, we need to keep Liam Walsh. He's, what's Liam Walsh done since he's left? He's gone to Swansea. Swansea have gone, uh, and shift him out to, to Hull, where Hull have gone, uh, where, where Hull have gone, uh, and, you know, for, 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 everybody, for, for, everybody, for everybody that... For everybody that leaves I'm the sorry. club, yeah. for everybody that leaves the club, you know, you always take the chance. I am sure that Callum O'Dowd at the moment, his representatives are talking to other championship clubs. I am sure about it. Okay. And he may well get an offer from a championship club. Fine. No problem with that. But he's a strange lad, isn't he? Because ultimately, I think he's about three, four caps off being our all-time international cap leader or something <laughs> like that, isn't he? You know, and normally, and you, normally you would look at it and think, oh, God, he's going to be a true city icon. You know, he's going to be a legend. This is the guy. Uh, he's, I, I've never thought that time. for one moment. But anyway, um, yeah, carry on. Leg, a legend, a legend, <laughs> not a legend. But the, um, but yeah, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. I, he, he's out the door. He's out the door. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. what, what does he actually bring? What does he actually do? Yeah, no, I nothing. agree with you. We just agree with one in twenty. Who, who, is, who is he? Who, who is he? Who is no, he? Seriously, he just doesn't do enough. I mean, no, we've had no. young players. They were, you know, they've had cameo camera appearances, and they've been brave, and they they worked their ass off, and done a lot more than Cam, uh, than than Callum O'Dowd has done in the last last few seasons. He's had some bad injuries, fair enough, but in the brief times he's played, he's just not been good enough. I remember mean, it, Fulham. Him and him, Masengo, um couldn't couldn't foul the guy before he 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 hit the ball to the back post from Mitrovic to head it across the goal from. Oh, hang on a minute! Hang on a minute! Hang on a minute! Hang on a minute! We had defenders playing who couldn't get near him. Never mind. Yeah. And what you don't do is set up from a corner and have um, a left winger and a, a little lad. Marking a bloke who's six foot. No, no, I'm not talking about that goal. I'm talking about. No, no. I'm yeah, talking about the goal that the guy, the the guy went you, down, look, down the look. right channel, and all he had to do is oh, stick it, stick is, is chopping Mark, down, Mark, and he look. crossed the ball to the back Mark. post. Yeah, so the other five goals were all perfectly fine, then, were they? Because we no, did. No, no, I'm just talking about. I'm just talking about things like things like that. No, what you're doing. Things like that. No, what you know, what you're doing is is you're picking on the kid. Now, what I'm saying is, I said about doing it from a pragmatic point of view right and and i don't want it to get into like arguing like 12 year olds or we're on facebook and we're conflating things that don't apply i think the kid's got some ability i think he's got problems with his fitness but if we start getting rid of everybody that's got problems with their fitness we won't have a squad left so sorry ian let me just pick up there one of the comments that richard gould made yesterday and there was somebody commented Mm -hmm. in the text messages on the uh on, on the pod just now is that Gould implied that the budget was the same as next season, but that was with players mm-hmm. on the pitch and getting minutes on the pitch. And I think the inference yeah. there is that we're not going to be hanging around with players with dubious injury records. Like that was probably a dig, not a bad dig, but Danny Simpson coming in, Andy King, probably Callum O'Dowd, certain players you spend more time no, on the you, and you table. conveniently forgot Casey Palmer and Naki Wells. Well, I was Ian. It's your. T- I was coming on to you next because they were the, s- yeah. the next two players I wanted to discuss. So I think we've done Callum right. uh, to death. Stop press. Ian defence. Callum O'Dowder. Goodness me, uh, we're, yeah. we're, we're we're being a bully, Mark. 
You're being a bully towards no, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, 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 I didn't know I'm I was a bully. Offended. It might have been nine minutes. No, I, I actually... didn't know. I'm going to speak to Catherine Stone. Good. Well done. Right. Um, anyway. I think it's... Um, I, no, I, I, I think you've, I, I'm coming at it from a pragmatic business point of view. No, that's I'm fair enough. It's all about opinions, from a, here, isn't it? From, from an emotional point of view. But last season, you might have said the same thing about Andy Vyman. Because this is the first season he's ever done anything like that. Now, that could be. Yeah. People could say, aha, there you go. Brilliant coaching from Nigel Pearson. And it could be. Right? But And it could be that we've actually found a formation right. he fits in. And something I just wanted to add from earlier on, if you're play, going to play 4-3-3, and we don't play 4-3-3, we play one in behind two, what happens is that if you, know, if you watch sides that play 4-3-3, so Liverpool, Man City, is they flatten into a 4-5-1 when they haven't got the ball. Now, that's going to force Vyman and Semenyo wide, assuming that Chris Martin is, is the one that's left up on top. So you have to, you just, I'm, I'm saying, not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying, is that getting the best out of those players? So that's why I think Pearson, at starting well, next season, we've always season, known that Vyman, that yeah, Vyman's playing place. down the middle, and that's why he's getting all the goals. No doubt about that. Right, Ian, uh, you first yeah. now on. To, you know, we, we've said about Callas, um, you know, we, we, he might go and he's out of contract next summer. So this is a year to get some value out of him. We're all in agreement that Hanoa, he didn't even get a cameo appearance to come on and say goodbye yesterday. I thought that might have happened, but yep. it didn't. Uh, right. Yep. Casey Palmer, Naki Wells. Casey Palmer, you know, two players there that are earning collectively 25 grand a week. Um, I said last week, Palmer going to a club like Sheffield Wednesday with us subsidising the wages. You say if he don't want to go there, he don't go. Um, yep. so, so, so how do we solve a problem? What, what do we do with Palmer and Wells? What do you think will happen with Palmer and Wells this summer? Well, it, it, first of all, they have to want to leave and probably neither of them would object to leaving the club. But what they won't do is, I, I don't think collectively they're on 25 grand a week. So I'll say they're on, let's say they're on 20. Uh, 20 grand less. each. Yeah. That's each, 2 million yeah. a year in weight. 20 grand a week each. Oh, That's cool. 2 million a year for the two of them. Yeah. That, yeah. But we gave them those contracts, right? They, of course. They, their agents negotiated those contracts. And somebody at our end, Steve Lansdowne, said, yeah, that's okay. Um, and we also, let's not forget, we also paid eight and a half million pounds for those two players. So in my world, not the world of an accountant, but in my world, if we let them go for nothing, that's eight and a half million quid down the Swanee in terms of an asset. Um, and then you look at their wages. Um, honestly, um, it's, it's very difficult because if you, if you let those players, if you're not going to play them, I'm all for letting them go. Okay. Um, and we've been very lucky with the front three that we've got that they haven't had um, very many injury problems this season. You know, Semenyo's missed a couple. Um, and yeah, okay, I'm, okay. Uh, Bear Boy, Palmer, 20 grand a week. I've heard 47K a week for both. Yeah, that's what you've heard. But who have you heard it from? Do you, if you heard it from Richard Gould, fair play. Because I asked Richard Gould directly about players earning 20 grand a week, and he said, no, less. All right. Now, you know, he could have been winding me up. I don't really know, but I would take what he said as being more accurate than what I've heard from someone who knows someone and knows sat by somebody in the ground or in a pub or something like that. Anyway, leaving that all aside, if you've got, I totally agree, if you've got high wage earners in the team, and particularly if they're not playing, and 
we're not being successful because let's not run away with the idea. We've had a few good results um, recently, but we've had a poor season and we had a terrible season last season. So let's just get that out in the open. Um, if we can shift them, it's going to take negotiating, it's going to take wheeling and dealing, and it will probably be that we have to let them go for nothing to another club, but we won't have to subsidise their wages. That would be, I think, best case scenario. Because, for example, if someone's got one year left on 20 grand, but they know they're not going to get another contract and somebody offers them a two or three year contract on 10 or 12 grand, they might just think, mm, well, that's three years more work. I'll take it and it all adds up to more. So yeah, you, it, it. it's going to take that. Or the other thing is, is as was suggested earlier with Callum, swap deals. Uh, because it, we're going to need to wheel in deal. Now, Nigel Pearson will not be doing that. And he said that when, when they asked him yesterday about contract negotiations with close Nothing to, to do with me. Yeah. And nothing, hang on, nothing to do with me. I don't do money or anything like that. So it's going to be, Richard's going to need to do some fancy wheeling and dealing. Um, and as, as Lisa's just said on there, Naki Wells might go abroad. He might uh, might go and play in the MLS. MLS. Um, Casey Palmer might do the same. They're both family guys. As, as, uh, I, I mean, I, uh, Casey definitely is. Um, <clears throat> they might want to go there. I, I don't think they'll retire. I think, that, you know, nobody can seem to find a player in Casey Palmer, but you can bet your life he goes somewhere else. He'll have a season where he gets 10 Well, he could, go and join, uh, he could go and join uh, Derek Williams out in uh, that LA Galaxy who's playing. He seems to seems but, to be enjoying himself the, out there. All those, thing, all those things are on, Dave, oh, but my point is we're going to have to be very a lot clever and a lot cuter that's the word, in the transfer clever. market clever. Than, than, we were, than we were in the last transfer window. Yeah. And that's something... It worries me because if Nigel okay. Pearson's, he'll be involved in it to the extent to say, yeah, I want that right wing back from Oxford. Right. Or I want that centre back from Wigan or wherever. But he won't be the guy that sorts all the wages. And that's, that's down to Richard. So yeah. he's, he's going to have to be really on his toes to, to, get, right. us some, to get us value. So it's both out of the club, but you don't know how. Um, Mark, quickly on the same thing, those two, Palmer and Wells, do you think either of them will ever pull on a Bristol City shirt again, first team? Um, Wells, yeah, maybe Palmer, no. But can we? Will Will they leave? Um, I think Wells. We haven't, I haven't heard from Palmer. He's been injured injured for a li- for a little while. Wells, maybe the MLS, possibly closer to home. But I think the average wage out there is uh, between three hundred thousand. Sorry, when you million. say closer to home, do you mean closer going back to Switzerland, or was it closer? No, closer, closer is in proximity <laughs> to, to the to the US. Yeah, you know, in uh, in in in, the, in uh, where's he from? Um, from the Bahamas? Yes, he is. I think, isn't he? He's, he's Naki, so possibly. But the wages there. I mean, somebody. I think it was Tomo said they range from about three hundred thousand a year to a, to a million. So a drop in the ocean compared here. So he might have to take a substantial uh, wage cut. Similarly with Palmer, who could sit on his ass. Uh, I think he's at a contract next year, and we would. I mean, he's only going to fetch a yeah. hundred thousand, couple of hundred, maybe less than that. He just yeah. hasn't done anything since he's been here. Uh, you know, he was he was he's been on loan to several clubs and has never been consistent. Never done it, um, and you can't even get. Okay. You know, that's a problem. Yeah, uh, Neil, quickly on those two, and there's one other topic I'm going to cover in a second. But uh, 
Palmer. Well, right. Well, they're, they're very they're at very different stages in their careers, aren't they? I mean, Naki Wells has come out and said he's at 32 and he just wants to be playing football. So I think Wells will probably go and he'll probably claim first team football because he can't be enjoying getting on for five minutes at the end of each game. No. Palmer is a very different scenario. Palmer is at 25. He's at his maximum earning on this on this contract and he pretty much knows that the only way is down. So the only way you're going to get rid of Palmer is not for footballing reasons in the way that Wells will go because he wants to play. Um, Palmer will go if it's right for Palmer at the end of the day. I think when Palmer goes and we look at the uh, financial side of things, I think we'll probably go down as it will be the worst signing in Bristol City for the last 30 years financially. I mean, three and a half million on the guy and take 20,000. I know what Ian says with Richard, but... What is interesting about Richard Gould's interview is at the end, okay, he did change his position a number of times with Jeff Twentyman, actually. I listened to it last night. And at the end, he said, well, we've written to the uh, EFL about these changes in FFP and what's going on and we've made representations and all the rest of it. And he said, well, when are you going to hear back from them? And he said, well, we've set them, there are no deadlines, but we've said we need to know by June the 10th when the transfer window opens because otherwise it's going to screw up our summer. We're not going to know. So these projections about keeping budgets the same, these projections about what we're going to be doing over the summer, some of it is reliant on the fact that there are going to be changes in FFP and we're waiting on the EFL to actually say to us what the changes are going to be. And And he kind of changed his position during that interview about two or three times. So I think there is a huge uncertainty still with regards to yeah, the financial yeah. side of things over the summer. And the man at the EFL that's going to have an influential role, not only for Bristol City, but other clubs at that level, is none other than the man who got a 32-year self-awarded long service award, none other than uh, uh, Mark Ashton. Rich, rich, richly deserved. Richly deserved. Richly deserved. All right. So, okay, look, here's, here's some interesting stats here. Um, this was mentioned on um, uh, Quest last night. Andy Vyman. 68 shots is what he's had on target. 22 goals. That's his ratio uh, of, uh, uh, of, of, yeah, I think that came up the other week, but that's pretty impressive. So every time he, yeah, every time he had one in three shots he has on goal, he's going to get a goal. So give him more service. He's going to score more goals. Uh, Robert South Bristol, he put an interesting stat on here on Twitter this morning. We're in the top seven in Europe's top five leagues. Anybody seen that stat today? All right, I'm going to repeat it. Top seven of sides have scored in both halves of a fixture. Liverpool have done it 21 times. Dortmund 19, PSG 18, Bayern 17, Man City, Monaco and Rennes 16 times. Bristol City, there we are in uh, 15 times. We've scored in both halves. So we're in the top seven in uh, Europe's top five leagues. And behind us, just behind us, sorry, we're level, sorry, with Fulham, Spurs, Lazio, Napoli and Leverkusen. Um, Interesting yesterday as well, Josh Brownhill, good to see him get the winner. Anybody see Sky News this morning? They had all the goals mixed up. She was talking, uh, Jackie Baltrow, nothing like what was going out on the screen. I felt sorry for it there. Wes Burns, two goals, right wing back, swap with Backinson. Anybody think that would be a good move? Yes, no? Any takers there? Wes Burns making a return in exchange for Baggins. I haven't seen enough in play. I always rated him. I always rated Wes, he Wes Burns. He was a bad little player, was he? Was he? Didn't, didn't, didn't fancy him, no. Lee Johnson. We've no. uh, seen him well, now. He looks a, like a Swedish I'd tennis say, player, doesn't he? Oh, he's I'd right. say more of, a, more, of a, more of a winger than a, a wing back. But hey, 
You, you don't know. I, th- I think he'd be better there than Alex Scott because he, he is, a, he, at least he's a wide player. You get down the line, Alex can't isn't. he? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a lot quicker than us over time as well. That was yesterday was City's 800th win in the second tier of English football as well. All right, yesterday's referee, first time he's refereed a championship game. I thought he did all right compared to some of the dross we've seen down there. All in agreement on that? Yeah, he was, well, he was yeah. a bit weird. He was a bit weird first half booking Scott for that challenge and then let yeah. a few go on Scott and on... Um, on Joe Williams and a massive descent from their player where he looked to get, he put his hand to the back pocket, went to book him and then decided not to. I think he was a bit lenient with them first half and then booked Scott at the very first opportunity. Yep. So, yeah. yeah, I yeah. thought he was all right. He, he talked right. to the place and he communicated yeah. with them, yeah. which is I what the main okay. thing. You just don't notice when the referee has a game, you don't notice. Now, Forrest yeah. and Huddersfield, notwithstanding what's going to happen in the transfer window, uh, look at the performance of both those clubs who are languishing where we sort of are now. Forest were languishing there at the start of the season, I think, with Damall after about eight games. That has to be the objective next season to um, a, a emulate both of those sides. And that means getting into the top 10. Uh, Ian, very briefly, that's got to be next season's goal, top 10, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I said something like this previously, but I start each season <clears throat> with with five positions. Uh, five out of ten seasons is you stay put. It's no achievement, but at least you don't go down. Um, seven out of ten is a top ten finish. Eight out of ten, you make the playoffs. Nine out of ten, you win the playoffs, so you go up. Ten out of ten, you're promoted in the top two. So those are my five positions at the start of every yeah. season. Obviously, you want to have a 10 out of 10 season, but at the, I think at the very least, from where we are, we need to have a 7 out of 10 season. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Mark, your 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 uh, thoughts? It'd be nice to do what these two sides have done, both with, um, well, enterprising managers, both managers made youth use of the loan system that we haven't, and there's been no indication that that is going to happen. <laughs> Your thoughts, Mark? Which two sides were you referring to? I couldn't hear. Huddersfield, Sorry, Huddersfield and Forest. That's got to be... Yeah, and, I mean, and, and Forest, I think they were second from bottom, weren't they, when uh, when Steve Cooper took over? Yeah, one point in, from incredible. seven games, as Bearboy79 has said to us on there. Yeah, yeah so... incredible wise rise up the league. And, of course, one of the, the factors was getting... I mean, must this be a loan-to-buy agreement for Jed Spence? He's just been phenomenal down that uh, as, as a right wing-back. Just incredible. But if they go up, they're going to want him. Off to Bayern Bayern Munich, I think. Interesting. That's interesting. That's the rumour. That's been a a sign in the season so much that people think he's actually a Forest player, but he's not. He's Middlesbrough player. But yeah, you know, he's he's a stodgy team. Yeah. To, to, to a passing team as well. as well, But they, they utilise the loan market and that's something that we don't do. Well, we haven't even uh, mentioned we haven't even mentioned that at all. And yeah. We, 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 we're part, um, Neil, um, Forrest and Huddersfield, you know, we, we, we want to be doing what they've done. And based on the last five games, you know, there's a little <laughs> bit of hope there, isn't there? Maybe. To, to do that, it was interesting, Gould actually addressed the loan in his interview and he did say about the changing realities of the under-23s in Premiership and uh, players wanting to come here and doing deals. So I think it, the club may be a little bit more receptive to loans next season than they currently are. I mean, for me, to be top 10, we have to keep 
the players next year that we need to progress. I mean, Huddersfield finished below us last year, didn't they? They finished twentieth. Yeah. 20th. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. yeah. He yeah. he uh, he kept the nucleus of the squad. He got them playing the way they did, and they just for us we finished the season strongly, brilliant. But if we lose a Semenyo in the season, which you know you can just see West Ham, can't you? You can see West well, Ham coming yeah. in fifteen, yeah. twenty million, something like that. He's an Antonio player, isn't he? You lose him. Exactly. Then, yep. then the front, the front, disint- you know. Then you've got, you know, WWM, haven't you? Well, and and you that Andy Vyman keeps his scoring record because he's got twelve more goals, ten more goals if, than his best ever season as a goal scorer. If, if if we are able to keep the nucleus of the side together, and if we are able to improve on that squad then I see no reason why we can't be top 10 next year. Yeah. Okay. But All right. It's, it's, a, it's a big if. And it's a big but what happens with FFP yeah. and that AFL Absolutely. meeting on Absolutely. the 10th of June. Okay. Um, just to finish, and it's um, this week we've seen preferred bidders and everything coming along for uh, Chelsea. And one was a British businessman. I think it's Sir Jim Ratcliffe who owns Ineos, the chemical company. Now, I think he happens to be a Chelsea season ticket holder anyway, right? But he put in a bid to Chelsea to buy it for the club for four billion, right? Now, this is just my view, and I'd like each of you to say whether you agree or you think it's mad or something like that. Steve Lansdowne's talked about bringing in investment, right? And Steve Lansdowne has invested not far short of half a billion. If you look at, well, let's call it a quarter. No, let's, let's call it a quarter of a billion, 300 million. He's funded losses of 150 million, probably more than that over a number of years. And he's built an infrastructure that's probably cost him 150 million. So he's put in 300 million, right? Not he talks much. about having investment. If you're Sir Jim Ratcliffe, if you take on Chelsea, all you're going to do is be chipping away at Man City. You're, got, you're not going to better where you already are because you're already in the top four if i was steve lansdowne or and i was serious about getting investment i'd say jim you can have bristol city football club for 300 million quid that's less than one tenth than jim ratcliffe was prepared to pay for chelsea and he was going to spend 1.75 billion on players when you got that sort of money you can come in and do what bournemouth did vis-a-vis two fingers up to financial fair play because you've got enough money to pay any fine and you buy yourself out of that division. And if you're Jim Ratcliffe or somebody like him, I'm not saying the Americans, but Jim Ratcliffe would probably fit the right and proper person's profile that is so important. Jim Ratcliffe could come in, spend one-tenth of what he was going to do Chelsea and for probably another tenth of that, take City to where we all want them to be, yeah, which is in the top flight and be a sustainable club in the top flight, like a Burnley, yeah, who look like they might uh, yet make it. So the question is, you first, uh, Ian, you look at somebody like Jim Ratcliffe, he wants to invest in a football club. City is still an investable proposition, aren't they, for somebody who wants to make a difference. What do you think? What do I think? Um, I think the amount of money that Steve Lansdowne's put in is about 220 million. Um, I think all he's really got to show for it is three quarters of a shiny stadium and the training ground. The first thing you'd have to do is extricate 
Bristol City from Bristol Sport. And I don't think that would be an impossible thing to do. You just have to have various agreements on who can and can't use the ground. Somebody like Jim Ratcliffe would want to be, he's the richest I'm man saying him getting. I'm saying him buy the whole thing lock, stock and barrel. So Steve Lansdowne well, can get all of his money back. Well, he can on, get his £300 on. Yeah, million he, back on a cheque. I know, Dave. I know. I, I wouldn't... Um, if Jim Jim Ratcliffe wanted it, he'd want to be in complete control because he, he's, he's the richest man in Britain. And he's... I mean, the two richest people in the world, uh, the, the richest man is Elon Musk. Um, if he fancied a football club, that'd be interesting. But he's too busy buying Twitter for £44 billion. Um, and uh, the richest man in the world, apparently, is Vladimir Putin. Uh, but we can't, we can't have him because of sanctions. Um, no, I, I, look, I think, realist, I think re- realistically, um, why would he want it? You know, Chelsea, what have they got to offer a world? They're European champions, world champions, uh, or Liverpool world champions, aren't they? But they were European champions, let's put it that way. Um, they're in London. They've got far bigger support. If this would be, um, I, I think the fact that we haven't heard of anybody who's come along and wanted to buy it, uh, I think that speaks volumes. Because once Steve had made that, we're looking for investment. Uh, I will. I, they'd call it a revelation, wouldn't they? In Bristol, you know, somewhere like Bristol Live, they go. Steve Lansdowne reveals that he's looking for investment. Well, okay, I suppose all football clubs are looking for investment, but I, I'm still not clear. If, 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 let's say, I wanted to put 20 million in tomorrow, what would I get? You know, how many shares would I get? Am I investing? Well, that's it. It's a control. It's a control thing. It is. It is. And you're not going to get control. You're not going to get control. I mean, I think there's sometimes um, where Steve would probably give you the football club because it's losing a it's losing a fortune, isn't it? And he must think, oh dear, I've got to stick another ten million in this, and it's, it's, I've lost. But that's the thing. Already. But that's that's the thing all the way along the line that Steve's been sitting in ten million here, fifteen million there, done this. But done why that. would you He's want? Playing. What you've got to convince me of is why anybody else would want to buy it. I mean, look, if if you or I had a couple of billion, yeah, we might be interested because we're we're City fans. But why would anybody who's not a City fan want to buy it for the right reasons? Yeah, for the right reasons I'm talking about. And, and once again, you'd have to explain, would they want to buy Bristol City? Would they want to buy Bristol Sport and have the whole shooting match? Would they want to, uh, uh, would they want to just buy the club in the, in the way that the guy at Derby has? Because he doesn't own the stadium. No. The former owner still owns the stadium. And there's a £20 million loan across Derby's training ground from an American business. Yeah. So that's probably another... 80 million quid that Kirchner's got to find if he wants the whole shooting yeah. match. So, and th- lest we forget, Derby could start next season with a further 15 point deduction if I they know. don't if they don't get themselves sorted out all right. quick. So, uh, th- this stuff is really it's all about what's he, it's what an investor's getting. It's about what an investor's getting and what is mega complicated. Because, yeah, yeah, it is. mega it's complicated. But somebody like him, somebody like him, he satisfies. Right and proper person's basis, and he he yeah, yeah. he could he could alleviate the problems that Lansdowne has. And we've talked in the past I about. I wouldn't be he, just get him out of it. Just right, get his money right, back. Right, right and proper persons, because look at the Saudi Arabians. I mean, they bought Newcastle, and then the next day, 150 people got beheaded. And yeah. Thaksin Sinawatra got older Man City, and he had, he had a human rights rap sheet as long as your arm. Yeah. So we all right. 
you know, we okay. won't worry too much about. All right, it's not going to happen. It isn't. It isn't going to happen. It isn't. No, it, I, I it can't see happen. it happening. David. But, all right, let me really ask the same question. Um, well, Mark, you, you go. You go back. You go back to um, to Bournemouth a few years ago. I mean, the Russian guy came in, pumped millions into the club. And they you know they 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 knew they'd overspent on FFP, but were, they just did it to take the hit. But then that's a big risk, you know. If you if you don't get promoted, but when you do it, but and it, then but you Mark, and then you get a, and you get a point deduction. But, but, but Mark, look at look at the clubs that have done it. Okay, Bournemouth have did it. Had five seasons in the top flight, came down. Yeah. They got parachute payments as well, right? And it's put them in a position where it looks like they're going to go up auto, you know, unless critical game. On uh, Tuesday night, when Bournemouth play at home to uh, Forest, but they've got they've had enough money to get back up, so they get back up and have another season up there. Look what Wolves did with Foson; they signed up the uh, agent who brought in all the Portuguese players. They've done it, and Steve, fair play, he's been. It's like the person. It's like. Back, you know, it's like putting, well, lottery is not a good example. It's like I put 10 quid every week in on the lottery. I'm never going to win it, but I'll keep putting 10 quid. Whereas if you thought, well, if I put in 100 quid, I've got a very good chance of doing it. Now, you know, if somebody put in 100 million to Bristol City and no no questions asked, and you, you, could, you can still buy your way to the top without question, yeah? And would we want mm-hmm. somebody who was one of these, would we want people like who bought Newcastle running this football club? No, we would not. But there are other people out there, dare I say, it, even the guys that have bought Ipswich Town, that's the Arizona Pension Fund. I don't know how the pension members in Arizona feel about that, right? And it's not a greatest success, but he's got his play thing. He's acting on behalf of investors. But, you know, you can still make a difference and get to the top. Neil, just to finish with you on this point, what what do you... Yeah, Lansdowne's talked about investment, but people are only going to put money in to, if they have an element of control. And I worked for a company years ago, I think I've said it on the podcast when we last talked on this subject, where um, I wanted to expand and everything, and then uh, 3i were the potential in uh, the, uh, providing the funding, uh, and they wanted to put their man on the board, and they wanted an element of control to dictate how things were done. Yeah, anybody yeah. putting yeah. money in, they do want. Control. I mean, Land yeah. Landstown, uh, Landstown. At the end of the day, David, uh, you know, he's a businessman. But if you look at our accounts, we're repaying loans to Landstown. Okay, we've got like four or five million pound that we pay to Landstown on loans. Any interest money he puts yeah. interest on loans. Any 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 money he uh, loans into the club, he takes as shares. We Bristol City are part of a multitude of other companies. So the 38 million we lost last year would have been taken across and that loss would have been used against the profits of other companies. Yeah? He's not going to do anything that is going to cause his net worth. Let Neil finish. Let Neil finish. He's not going to do anything. I I think the main thing for the Lansdowns is the sports village. I don't think anything's going to change until that sports village either goes through or doesn't. And I think we're still waiting to hear back on the planning permission, aren't we? I can see the sports village comes, boom, 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 two years, then the Lansdowne's exit stage left. I can't see, because that is such a vanity project in terms of what's going on in Ashton Gate with that sports village and the arenas and the hotels and the office space and all the rest of it. If you sell to another person now, 
they might not want to invest in a sports village at the end of the day. They might not have anything, you know, I don't really need a basketball arena or another arena or office space or hotels and all the rest of it. I just want a football club. So there's a lot going mm-hmm. on outside of the club with inside the Bristol sport and with inside the land stands. The, the football club is a part of that, but there's a lot more to it, isn't there? Yeah. At the right, end let's of the talk, day. Ian, I know you wanted to talk there about Lansdowne laying off losses in other businesses, but with, none of us are really? tax accountants here, so let's not get into it. Well, no, I still no, think... I, I, let me I just say what I was going to say. This is, no, you yeah. can't make that assumption. Well, That's what you're going to say. Neil can't make that assumption. No, that, that, you yeah, can you do, can't just say he's doing it. When we've got uh, something like £150 yeah. million pound of cumulative losses... In Bristol City, we got enough to fend off any. But that's tax that's, bill con- that's converted into make. shares. That's converted into shares. Any money he well, you puts just said in, we're repaying loans. No, yeah, there's loans on the account. There's loans on the account. I know part, there's loans in the accounts, but he's also written off a lot of. He has. Uh, he's money written off, he's and that is the right. By turning it into equity. Yeah, he's and the shares. Yeah, but what are the shares worth? Well, Someone's got to buy out his shares, though, haven't they? No, but that's what I'm saying. Somebody could come along and say, Steve, we give you 200 million quid for Bristol City. Now, yeah, breaking could, it out yeah. from Bristol Sport and the Vanity Project, you could say, right, you can have Bristol. Steve can say, right, you can have Bristol City for 200 million. And for that, you get the right to run the Bristol City Football Club. And you can have the training facility, which is exclusively Bristol City, right? And we have a ground here that you can use. And if you're in this level of football, you pay me that amount in rental. And if you get to the top flight, you pay me eight times that amount in rental. So, so that's let me, the deal. Let me just. That's no, the Dave, deal. Let me. Well, yeah, it's cobblers, isn't it? Could you, do you remember what you just said? You give me 200 million, right? Yeah. You give me 200 million and you get a 20 million pound asset. We'll call the HPC a 20 million pound asset, right? And that's all I get, and I get the right to use the grant. And I got to give you. So, what what are you doing with the other hundred and eighty million? What do I get for that? Assuming we don't go up to the Premier League, you're never going to get that deal. Jesus Christ! No, but you're buying. That's the cost of a franchise. That's the cost of. What? That's like buying oh, a franchise. Dave, what a franchise this losing forty million a year. That franchise. What? That's the one you. What want do you do me, with the it? Bears as well? What do you do with the Bears as well? There's so many they, other. No, but they're part. But they they continue to play at this. That's part of the deal. You don't own the stadium. You buy all right. Well, you don't own the bears either. You just said I bought. I paid two hundred. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Sorry, let me. That was too broad brush a statement. You say right. You have the training ground, right, and the brand Bristol City Football Club for a hundred (laughs) million. Oh, yeah, hang on. So that's hang on. We've all, we're negotiating two minutes. You've right, already had your bid. No. All right, look, look. It was just it was just a provocative thought. <laughs> yeah. A provocative yeah, but Dave, Dave is very badly thought thought, thought through. I mean, I look, know. well, it is. Steve, it is, it is Neil's quite point. right. There are loans in the accounts. There's a particular one for sixteen million from Pula, which I guess was used to, and I don't know. I guess was used to fund the training ground, building that. Okay. Now, that's why I'm saying the training ground as an asset is probably worth about 20 million. Don't forget the Bears got one as well. So that's that's two training grounds. But you just said, well, you're only buying Bristol City. You're not buying the Bears or anything like that. And you've got to give the Bears the right. I think the only way you'd sell it is with the asset of the football club with some 50-year deal that the Bears um, could use it in perpetuity in, and, and paying a rent. But I, I, if you said to Steve... You know, if you made Steve that kind of offer, I think he'd bite your arm off, your legs, um, and all the rest of it. So, look, you, you, it's not the Bristol City Football Club isn't an attractive asset if you take the infrastructure away from it. It just isn't. 
Yeah. Mm. Is it? Think about it. You wouldn't no, buy it. No, would you're you? right. If you had you're that right. kind it's of money, Dave. Yeah. And you're a City yeah. fan. Yeah. You know, no, it's, it's, not. it's not. You're not paying, you're paying it, for the brand. You're paying. Yeah. Look. Okay, and the so brand is pretty. It's, it's you know, the brand. Right. Here's a brand. We finished 17th in the championship. Last yeah. year we finished 19th. We got a load of players who'd be leaving a club in a year's time for nothing that we've got to sort out contracts with. Um, we ain't got any money to spend. And last time out, we lost 40 million quid. And by the way, if the FFP negotiations don't go our way, and please God they do, but I don't think they will because all the other clubs have to vote on it and the ones that have kept their house tight won't vote for us uh, as they see it, being profligate. Uh, and by the way, we lost 40 million. And, we're, and on average, over the last... Ten years, we've lost about between ten and fifteen million a season. Easily. Hey, do you want to buy it? Million. Do you yeah. want to? Do you want to buy it? Yeah. And this season, Sorry. and look, no. and this season, this season, the season to May twenty-two, the loss is probably going to be twenty million. I would say. Mm. I think it's could probably be more. closer to ten or twelve. But you could, you you could be right, Dave. I'd, I'd have no. We don't idea, know. But, we don't know. All right. Look, it was just. I think. Look, the thing is with investment, it's all. Or nothing, yeah, because that's it. It's the you know, and it's just a man trying to get his trying to get his money back. Because Lansdowne, he's only got to get we've only got to get there for two seasons in the top flight, and he could have all his money back, his loans repaid, or he could then sell it, and then the brand is worth more because if you do get, and that's oh, why clubs they, buy it because they see three seasons, income. Yeah, you two made. or three seasons in the yeah, two or three seasons in the prem. You, you yeah, even two seasons. Someone will pay big money for it because they there say, well, "What's my income going to be next year? A hundred exactly. million." Well, hang on, we could get relegated. Don't worry about it. You get another forty-two million. No, that's and that's the point you get, I was getting. Yeah, that was the yeah. Point if I you was get getting. promoted, but no, the only way Steve Lansdowne ever gets his money back is is if we get in the Premier League. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, well, we all want that's that. The only and way- look- it's the only guys, way he's ever going to get his money back. Guys, it's been uh, it's been an interesting conversation on the back of a 5-0 win. Everybody, enjoy. Yeah, the, sorry, uh, I'm still here. I was looking at an interesting site about tractors and got distracted, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, tractors. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's my lo- you do know that's my local MP. Is yes. that right? Do you know him? That's- yeah, yeah. Well, Given the I, site, you probably told him the site to look at Tractor Paul. I sent it. I like sent that. him the links. I yeah. sent the link Tractor <laughs> UK. But but I think uh, uh, yeah, Tractor and I'm still tra- Tractor and I'm still tracking her dot com, isn't it? That's what it's called, isn't it? I don't yeah, know. I'm. I'm um, but no, I mean, in fairness, he, he did. Uh, everybody down here is is um, uh, very uh, st- stiffly and strongly behind him. Yeah. And you in particular, Ian. Right, everybody, I'm going off to binge yeah, watch I am. the final. I've watched two episodes so far, or is it three? Binge watch the final bit of uh, Ozark, probably for the rest of the day today. But uh, Neil, Mark, Ian, thank you for your erudite contributions, as always. Thanks to everybody that's been uh, listening. Great that almost 100 people have uh, tuned in for uh, what is a real end-of-season uh, atmosphere. We'll be doing the Huddersfield game. It's a lunchtime kickoff, so we'll probably do that maybe 6 o'clock on uh, Saturday night. That'll be the last one, but we'll have, right. uh, look, so have plenty I'd, of special I'm going to probably still be on the road. Season. I'll You'll tell you a story very, very quickly. Are you going? Are you going? Yeah, David, oh, I've completely oh, cocked oh. up. I've completely cocked up. My son turned around. Can we go to Huddersfield? I said, yeah, not realising it's 12.30. I'm on the cat's coach. Ah. I'm on coach one. Uh, Uh, You can tell us all about that. You can tell us all about it. 
quarter past six, we've got to be there, which means that I've got to leave Clevedon about half five, which means I've got to get up about 4.45 in the morning to get up to Huddersfield. I have completely God bless you. God, up God bless you. God bless you, Neil. You're a real... Any of that, Neil, you're an idiot. That's the word you're struggling for. Did anybody stay for the lap of appreciation? I'm afraid I didn't. I No, I was I was trying and failing to get through to Radio Bristol. Yeah. I was yeah. I was fifteen I was fifteen hundred miles away, so that's my excuse. Um, yeah, in Madeira. And, and you are in Madeira. Week, Neil will be Neil will be live from uh, Huddersfield in Yorkshire and I should be once again live from my home in Madeira. So God God bless you, and Neil, be, for going up there. You're you're my I'll kind be, of guy. Yeah. I'll be here live in uh, in 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 Tickingham as we do, and you'll be you're over in Downend, Mark. Yeah, you? I might be yeah. some. I might be using. I might be making some of the egg boxes using double sided sticky tape. But I'm open for spraying my sister, who's uh, who's listening in, whether she'll uh, let me pop up and uh, and go to the game together. But she might have other plans. I, I, I'm a lot. To, I'm a lot to put up with. So that that All might right. that might sway well, it. Yeah, your missus. Your missus was telling me that. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, have a great week. Listeners, glad you enjoyed it. We're going to sail through between now, the last two games. It would be lovely to get through 80,000 downloads. That'll be, uh, we're on 78.4 at the moment. And uh, we're getting about 700, 700 downloads an episode, which considering we're a lower championship side, uh, I think is good. So thanks to everybody for your support. Have a good week, everybody. Oh, Dave, I've, I've got the culture. There we go. We're off. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Red, red robin come ba ba bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if vibing blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red robin starts bob, bob, bobbing along. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you still the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.